Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. And uh, Happy New Year's. This is going to be episode one of uh, 2024, and we have a great one for you. Today, we're actually hearing from John Lusk. Um, John, I heard him on another podcast, and I just knew he'd be telling some epic stories. He did not disappoint. Um, after the first story, I was like, well, how do you beat that? And he did. After the second story, I was like, well, how do you beat that? And he did. And uh, he continued with three or four stories that way. So I want to thank John, of course, for coming on the podcast. I uh, can't thank him enough. Uh, this is one of my personal favorite episodes. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in to listen. Um, let's just jump right into it and uh, let John tell you some of his stories. Thank you. All right, John. Welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. How are you? Good. It's great to be here with you, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, John. I, I appreciate you. Uh, I reached out out of the blue. Uh, I actually heard you on someone else's podcast, and um, you just had a vibe to you that I was like, I need to hear his hunting stories. So thank <laughs> you. Thank you for taking a message from a random stranger and then joining me today to record uh, some of your favorite hunting stories. So let, let's kick this thing off real quick. Why don't you introduce yourself, John, to the, to the folks so they know who they're hearing stories from? Yeah, so that's my name, John Lusk. I turned 60 in January, man, like just a short time from now. <laughs> it's hard to believe that. Gosh, but uh, grew up all over the place. My dad was in the military, so we moved around, you know, every few years. Then I uh, graduated from college. I went into the full-time ministry, went to theology school, went to ministry. I've worked as a pastor ever since. That was like, in, I got married, worked as a pastor ever since. That was like 85. And so we traveled around a ton doing that all over the States. And then we lived in Bangkok and Manila, six years in Southeast Asia, and then came back in Colorado and Iowa, kind of started finding the hunting locations. <laughs> now we're uh, now we're in Texas. So I still work as a pastor. I love that, but I grew up hunting. I grew up uh, gun hunting and bow hunting. My dad was an avid hunter and he was a devoted family man. So he took his boy out in the woods, man. And that was, that was my piece. And boy, I just, I love those times. So grateful. My dad, I mean, he's a three-star admiral, you know, he's the vice commandant of the Coast Guard. He's such a busy dude with so much going on, but he always found the time to to take me hunting and fishing. And I I love that. Um, So that, you know, that just grew up in me. And I couldn't hunt when I was over in Southeast Asia. It's like it's like a major sin to hunt over there because they believe in reincarnation. You might be shooting your great great grandfather or something reincarnated as a deer, and oh, so man. I had to like keep everything down. And then came back to the states and had been making up for lost time. And I've gotten so into it, especially bow hunting. I I, I gun hunt too, but I haven't done that and probably. I don't know how long, 15, yeah. 20 years, something like that. I went up. The way I stopped that is I, I had a buddy that invited me to go hunting during gun season, but I thought about bringing my bow. And then I, <laughs> I thought, now nah, I'll just take my seven mag. So I took my seven mag and I, I was sitting down on the ground. It was raining. I was wearing a big poncho, got up to take a leak and I walked a little ways away and did my thing. And then I turned around and there's this, beautiful nine point buck just staring there looking at me and i'm I'm wearing a poncho so it's like what's that big blob i lifted up my my rifle it was on nine power the scope and all i could see was brown and shot and it dropped right there and i'm like man it was at 11 yards 
And That's I thought I should have brought my bow. <laughs> and so from then on, it's been bow only. And so I do that every chance I can get. And then I started a YouTube channel and I do, I film all my bow hunts and then I do a bunch of gear testing, especially broadhead testing. And my, my channel is called Lusk Archery Adventures. And I have, I don't know, over 400 videos and now like over 12 million views and wow, 36,000 subscribers. It's really picking up steam. I even got a shout out from Joe Rogan the other day. He was on his podcast, biggest podcast in the world with Cam Haynes. And he's like, I've been following this guy, John Lusk. I'm like, what? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> my cool factor with my sons-in-law went, went way up after that's Joe amazing. Rogan gave me a shout out. But the channel's been doing really well. That's that's so cool. Yeah, I heard you on uh, the Dan State and Elk Shape uh, podcast. And exactly, you know, first off, I love the story that you told. And maybe you can get a little bit more detail. You talk about Southeast Asia where you they don't hunt. But you were there telling everybody your hunting stories. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Oh, did I tell Dan that? Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. Okay, Because, like, I'm a, I'm a preacher. And I, I like to tell hunting stories, you know. And I I believe, I like, a, lo a lot of men don't like church because it's kind of been so emasculated, you know, and, and become really wimpy Ned Flanders kind of thing, you know, like from The Simpsons. And. And yeah. so I really believe in like talking about hunting, not every Sunday, but, you know, a lot of Sundays and I got a lot of cool stories. And so I was over there and before I learned Thai, now I can speak Thai fluently, but before I learned Thai, I had a translator. I'd say a line in English. He'd say a line in Thai. And so I'd be telling like every now and then I'd tell a hunting story and he's <laughs> translating it. After about a month of being there, he sits me down. He goes, Hello, John. And he's like, really, really you know, humble. Can, can I share some input? I'm like, yeah, his name is Sunshine. Yeah, Sunshine, what is it? And he goes, do you notice when you tell a hunting story, people tend to kind of look down? I go, yeah, you know, I, I have noticed that. He goes, that's because over here, it is a major sin to hunt. It's like <laughs> illegal. It goes against Buddhism. And these people are Christians, but they came, they converted from Buddhism and just culturally, it's like a big taboo. And so yeah. he goes, you know, it's very offensive. I'm like, dude, so sorry. And why didn't you yeah. tell me earlier? <laughs> all those, all my favorite, you know, preaching illustrations are like stricken from the book for, for the next four years while we were That's there. So That's funny. funny. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's a great story. It's uh, uh, you know one off hunting story, but yeah, I loved that. I loved hearing that. Uh, and your YouTube channel, I, that's amazing that it's going so well. Um, I I can't say that I'm that many of those views, but since listening to the podcast, I have de dove in and I'm definitely enjoying it. I've got a lot to catch on. I'll tell you that. Uh, but I did hear you on Joe Rogan or heard him bring you up on Joe Rogan to talking to Cam Haynes. Same road trip actually that uh that I, I heard you on the elk shape podcast and i've got a bad oh, cool. bad habit it's not really a habit but i have a uh it seems that whenever i ask someone to be on my podcast the next thing i know is they're on joe rogan's podcast and i can't get a <laughs> hold of them anymore so i was like okay john let's let's schedule as quick as we possibly can i think i've had five people so far and only one of them That's has funny. gotten on his podcast and come back to me so i'm still working on the other ones but uh i was like oh we gotta we gotta touch john quick but yeah, that, that, that's neither here nor there. John, thank you so much for coming. Let's jump into some stories. 
Um, I know you have some prepared for us. What? Uh, why don't you set the stage on, on your first hunting story for us? Yeah, I mean, the one I, that really comes to mind, man, I do have a lot because I grew up doing it. But the one that really comes to mind, you know, we're on video here and behind me is part of my trophy room. And there's this nice elk, like right over my left shoulder. And yeah. that's the story. I will story. say this to okay. the listeners <laughs> since this is this is just audio. But you have more mounts behind you than anyone else I've ever talked to, John. So <laughs> you've, you've done your fair share of hunting. It's a beautiful trophy room. Yeah, that's like one of like six walls with stuff. I'm running out of room, man. I'm going to need a bigger <laughs> boat, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. but, but anyway, we. Um, so what happened was I, w- I was living in Colorado. And I was a pastor of this big church and we had a big staff, two of the staff, my two of my youth ministers, campus ministers working campus ministry. um, They were really getting into bow hunting. I was mentoring them in bow hunting. They were mentoring me in fly fishing. So it was like a (laughs) trade-off and we'd have our ministry training times either out on the water or, or out in the field. Well, we would tra- trained all year for this elk hunt. I mean, we're running the trails with 50-pound packs and shooting and stuff like this. And I'm going to take these two young bucks out there. And, and so we, we located this place that, that we, we'd scouted a little bit. And it's in southern Colorado. And it's extremely rugged. Matter of fact, this, this one area is known. You can ask Aaron Snyder. He'll tell you. It's known as like the most rugged area in Colorado. And we okay. didn't really know that at the time, but we knew it had <laughs> some nice elk in it. And so that we leads to trained. a good story, not knowing that ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, and we're going hardcore, you know, I'd read Cameron Haynes book on backcountry bow hunting and we had all our gear and we're going to go live out there for like a week. You know, that was a plan way off the, off the grid. So then the night before we left is this massive storm. I mean, it was massive in Denver, but we're watching the news and where we were driving is about four hours away. It down south of Denver, it, it was like terrible. We thought we're not going to be able to go. So we had to leave a bit later when the storm cleared and we drive to where we're going to drive, where we're going to enter into the area. And it's about maybe a 10 mile, no, let's say maybe about five miles of kind of rough roads, you know, very, yeah. uh, very off road. But because of the storm, there was deadfall after deadfall. We're the first people to go through because the storm had just passed. So we had to clear, I think it was 11 deadfalls on our Jeez. way in there. So it was like taking, we were late already. And then it was taking forever. One of them one of the trees was so big, we, we couldn't clear. There's nothing we could do. So we built like a ramp over it. <laughs> like <got> all these <laughs> sticks were like digging. And like, I mean, we literally built a, like a little levee over it. And we drove over it and got over it. <laughs> anyway, we finally got to where we could park. And we parked in the place hours later than we wanted to be. Got our gear on. And then we just set off. And it's about... I don't know, like a maybe a five-hour uh, trek back to where we're going. And and there's a shortcut where you go. Actually, we walk through the Great Sand Dunes National Park on the way there. And Great Sand Dunes National Park, that's it's so cool. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's it's yeah, the, the, the highest altitude sand dunes in North America. 
in the middle of it's Colorado. It's really crazy. Super right? cool. It's, and and they, there's like a little river that goes through, and the wind catches it. So this little river of just trickling water has waves on it. It's a super cool area. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually a Colorado native, John. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I live down here in New Braunfels right now. Um, I'm moving back to Colorado shortly. But yeah, I uh, I grew up in the, uh, the Boulder County, Louisville, Lafayette area. I lived in Louisville. I lived in Louisville for years i mean we <laughs> that's so cool we probably yeah. crossed paths yeah. right by cold creek uh, golf course there was a big fire there recently we watched it our burned, old it house. burned down my parents house it did wow it did. yeah and that was two years ago and they got a letter of occupancy for their new home last week so they're uh, they're they're back in their home which is crazy wow man it's yeah. a small world it is small. okay we'll, so, we'll talk more about that later since i'm sure okay the yeah that's don't pretty care cool too much but yeah well. all right <laughs> so we go way back there and there's a shortcut that we're seeing on the map we can go way around or we can take this super steep area we're like man we're short on time let's go for the super steep and it was pretty much hand and foot you know i mean it was so steep and took about i don't know maybe an hour and a half just just to climb up over and then we climbed down the other side and but then when we get down in there, we are like in another world. I mean, you go, this is what you dream of. It's like, yeah. we're just way back there. And it's like, <laughs> nobody's there. And it was as cool as it gets. So we find a little place, set up a, a camp on this creek. It's right on this creek and this giant ravine that goes for miles. And we set up our tent. Then we go out and scout a little bit. We scouted some bulls. We're like, oh, man, this is going to be sweet. Next day, we like did our thing, you know, went all over, saw a bunch of signs, saw some bulls, didn't, didn't have an opportunity. And then the, the next, oh, and then that, that evening of the second day, we go out to scout one more time before going to bed. And we're out there till just about after dark. We come back and our tents, two of our tents, we had three tents, were ransacked by a bear. Like, oh, and we no. had clean camp. I mean, we had hung our stuff just like you're supposed to way up in the air, like 50 yards away or hundred yards away or something. So there's nothing in our tent, but I guess just the human smell. And I mean, they're just like the, the whole canopy, everything, not, not shredded, but, but ruined and tent stakes yeah. broken and stuff. So we're like, Oh my gosh. I mean, we spent that night trying to tape stuff together and so forth. So then the next morning comes up and we go, all right, let's go down this area. We go down this one area we're cow calling every 15 minutes or so. We didn't really know what we're doing. And then we hear this bull bugle. Like, what? I mean, when you hear that for the first time, like <laughs> yeah. responding to you, it's like, it's crazy. So we split up and we're like, you know, let's, let's go after this thing. And, and we're all, you know, really stealthy. Well, I get up there and I, I had, I, I drew at one point, I saw it at 35 yards, but it was some brush and held down and, and then I go up and I see it come. I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I could see something moving. And then it comes out and I had just ranged that area 40 yards, draw back, bam, I stick it. I mean, I stuck it really good. And it just, <laughs> it ran, I, I lost sight of it, but it, it ran away. Then my uh, one friend comes from my right. He comes up, he's like, did you shoot it? I go, yes, man, I got it. Then this other <laughs> friend comes up from my left. He goes, he, he starts making like a his hand over his throat, like, I thought he was saying, be quiet, but he's saying, no, it's dead. He goes, I watched it fall right in front of me. He was just about, he was starting to draw. I didn't even know where he was. 
And then he watched me hit it and watched it fall. And so we go up on this elk and I mean, it was like a horse. This thing was huge. And I mean, what a, what a ecstasy, you know, there's no better way to describe it. So we took the pictures, then we get it, you know, all butchered and that took forever to get it all deboned and stuff. We're so far back. We had to debone it. So we put it over, you know, like you're supposed to over in a cool area out of the sun and we got that all good. We had a we ate some some of the um the tenderloin that night and our last night together celebrated. Then the next morning we're like, okay, now we gotta pack it out. We load up our packs. We estimated each of the packs, they varied like from 150 pounds to like about a hundred pounds. I mean, they were really heavy packs. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, let's go. We thought we can't go out the way we came in because it's just way too steep with this weight we thought we can't do it so we go okay we're going to go to the mouth of this creek and on our maps it looked like okay it's going to take a couple extra miles but not be so bad but so we're packing out packing out and we come to this area we're like okay let's just take a break and i go i'm going to go scout up ahead and make sure i can find where we're going and and it's like the the trail it's hard to explain but the, the whole side of the mountain it kind of turns to sand it's near where the great sand dunes is and so there's this game trail that we're following that goes across this kind of steep incline that's just all sand but there's a little Whoa. flat game trail on it so i'm like okay let me just walk across it and make sure i can do it i have a like a trekking pole i'm walking and then it just the ground falls out from beneath me. I got, you know, heavy pack on, but it's just, the sand just goes down and I'm like sliding down the hill. And I, I stick my trekking pole in the ground and like all my weight hangs on it. And I'm looking over, like, I don't know how far the drop off was a hundred feet. And there's just this, this rough, you know, stream down below and rocks oh and white water and stuff. And I'm just sitting there like, I was afraid to move because I thought if I move, the ground could fall out for me again. And there's How no far room. did you slide down from, from the game trail? I, it wasn't that yourself? far. It was like maybe, maybe 10 feet, but enough that I was out of control. And, and yeah. I thought with this weight on my pack, I thought, I thought I was dead. And so I'm just kind of hanging on the edge. And so I, one of my buddies, his name is Brian. I, I start going, but i'm by this stream and they're by the stream you know upstream and it's drowning me i'm just like i didn't know what else to do and so then out of the blue brian comes up i just see this comes up jumps he just jumps launches himself on the sand below me and he sticks in his trekking pole and and then he just takes off my pack and pushes me up. And then he carries my pack up. He's kind of a stud. And I'm like, dude, you saved my life, man. It was just, <laughs> it was just one of those sweet moments. You know, a little, little bit of tears there. We gave each other, yeah. hugged it out a little bit. We're like, all right, you know, now let's go. And so then we like journey on and we're walking now. Now it's turning into just pure sand and it's really oh. steep. And it was the kind of thing with that weight, every like two steps up, you slide like about one back. And so it is so hard to walk. I can't explain. It took us an hour to go about 150 yards. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like we just thought this is your, and then Brian, I was, I loaned him one of my backpacks. The, the belt broke, like, you know, that like puts all the weight on your hips. It just, it just yeah, broke. Only way it makes and it so bearable. then, <laughs> uh, right. And so now all the weights on his, and I mean, it was just treacherous. So we're just going, go, we ran out of water like a long time ago. 
and we're going. And then now it's about like, we left at eight in the morning. It's way farther than we thought. And it's about <laughs> like eight at night and it's the sun is setting seven or eight at night. And we've got all this meat. We're totally dehydrated. We're like, what the heck are we going to do? And then I remembered, I go, wait a minute. On Archery Talk, that's this online forum, I, I, I wrote down the number of a guy who posted about a meat packer with horses in the Southern Colorado area. And I had written down his number in my phone. So this is like a guy I don't know in a thread, you know, on this forum, wrote down some guy's number and name. So I, I, I take out my phone and it's on like the red sliver, you know, where it's like, it's yeah. about I'm done with battery. Both of my other buddies, their phones were dead. And so I'm like, okay, let me call this guy up. I'm like, hello. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I got your number from a guy on archery talk. And I heard you pack out horses. Are you a meat packer? And he I tell him the whole story. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I go through the whole <laughs> thing. I'm looking at my battery. I'm like, I'm running out of battery, dude. <laughs> He goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, I got horses. And then he goes, but man, I haven't been on a horse since my wife died. I'm like, what? And he goes, man, it was like six months ago. We were riding together, my wife and I. She's on a horse in front of me. She gets bucked off, breaks her neck. Oh he goes, goodness. I put her on my horse, carried her back. Then we had to have her medevaced. And, and she died. And he go, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I mean, my heart's going out to him. And then he talks. He goes, man, I was a Marine and overseas. I had my buddy. You know, his his head was blown off right in, in front of me. And he's like oh, telling a story. God. And I'm like, my heart's going out to him. But, man, my battery's going out a little bit more. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, hey man. Like, you know, like, like I don't want to be insensitive. But... <laughs> Right, I'm like, I, you know, that's really rough. But, but you know, I'm on the side of this mountain, and I got this elk, and like, we cannot, we need help, man. And so he's like, okay, okay. He goes, all right, we'll get back. He goes, I need to get out. I need to get back on the horse. And he goes, just, just mark it with your GPS. Put it in a tree. Go back to camp. I'll meet you at your where your truck is. I know that area. I'll meet you there tomorrow morning i'm like all right so we take off all that weight put in a tree mark it on our gps and then we feel like we can run now yeah. and so then we just go and again we had no idea how far away we were we walked we got back to camp about midnight and man we came so on a creek like four we just more like, hours Jeez. it was four more hours and without heavy pack and and then we, we came to this creek first water we just drank straight out of the creek i mean we're just guzzling guzzling Got back to the camp and we we set up camp there. I slept in the truck. The other two guys set up camp. I'm like, I'm gonna sleep in my truck alone. Okay, you guys set up your tents. And so they <laughs> set up their tents. Well, in the middle of the night, this major snowstorm hits. <laughs> like this blizzard. We wake up in the morning, their tents, the truck, everything is covered with snow. It's like it doesn't snow that that time of year. It's like way early. And and there's this giant deadfall. Oops, that blocked my, my truck from being able to, to get anywhere. It's like more deadfalls after that storm. And I'm like, and, and it's just, I mean, it is coming down. And so the guys said they would be there about 11 a.m. What's well, 11 a.m.? I go out to where they're supposed to be and like nobody's there. And I'm texting like, hey, guys, and I'm thinking, 
man, that guy, I don't even know if he remembers that we talked the night before. I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling. Like, what do I do? We can't get out because a tree's blocking us in. I want to get my elk, you know what? And then out of the storm, I see these two figures start coming. And there's like, I mean, it was straight out like a John Wayne movie. These two <laughs> long riders wearing the long leather coats. They got the hats and they're riding up on their horses, like literally out of the storm. And they just walk up and the guy goes, I'm Gary. I'm like, Gary, that's the guy we had to talk to on the phone. And he brought a buddy with him. He goes, just give me your GPS. We'll go get it. I go, you want us to come with you? He goes, nope. <laughs> so we give him the GPS and he goes off. A couple hours later, they come back with their horses. They got my elk loaded up on the truck. And then we went back to Denver. Major, major adventure. I mean, from the deadfalls oh, to the bear ransacking our tents to taking down this beautiful elk. I mean, it's like a, a 300 inch elk, six by public land, DIY over the counter unit with two of my best friends. Total adventure. Brian saves my life on the edge of the mountain. <laughs> Gary saves our lives coming and picking us up. And Gary and I became great friends after that, went on other hunts together. And uh, oh man, then I wrote up that story and I put it in Eastman's bow hunting journal and they gave me a bunch of free gear for it. Now I got the elk on the wall behind me. And the guy, Brian, that kind of saved my life. He, he's like, hey, man, when you die, can you put in your will that I get that elk mount? I go, it's yours, buddy. So <laughs> it was such a cool adventure. You're like, hey, hey, yeah, don't don't count me out yet, Brian. But, but yeah, sure. I'm not, I'm not ready yet, but one day. <laughs> but, you oh, know, that's man. what hunting's all about, right? The friendships. And the adventure. And that's, man, that, that trip really held it. I mean, those three of us got so bonded and then, uh, and then just the, the adventure. I mean, the, the yeah. near death experiences that just, man, that's what hunting just makes you live in a whole different dimension. 100%. And you know what I loved about that story, John, is um, there was a little bit of story before you harvested the bull but that bull harvest came pretty quick in that story. And that way I knew I was going to enjoy this because it was the pack out <laughs> that became the story. And the pack out stories are always the where the real adventure happens, right? Um, so yeah. that that was great. I did not see half of that coming. Um, I thought you were just going to talk about how how much of a struggle it was, but I didn't. I didn't expect you to slide down a sand mountain. I didn't expect <laughs> Gary to ride through a blizzard. That was a, that was an, <laughs> that was an awesome story with some amazing visuals. So uh, it made me think of it like you know those Western artists that draw those cowboy things. I need you need to hire one of them to like paint Gary coming out of a snowstorm on his horses. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that was just it was epic. I mean, that was just epic. Yeah, God, that's a great one, um, man. The the transitions of the stories are always a little funny, but let's go ahead and kick off to the next one. Yeah, let's, I don't okay, know how you're going to drop that one. one. Okay, so I had this really cool experience in Canada. I I I had a buddy that I had helped spiritually in his life when he was in his medical residency. At, uh, at in in St. Louis, then he became a really top notch surgeon, and so he just was really grateful for. And we we're good friends, grateful for the way I helped him. So he'd take me on some pretty cool adventures that I could never afford, and <laughs> he took me to uh, to Canada, and uh, and we we're going to go up there. And it was an early season um, moose, 
and and deer hunt. And is that the moose all you it just was got is, back? what's that? I know that you no, recently no. posted a photo of a moose you just this got is, back. No, this is a, this is several years ago. Okay, okay that's a different okay. moose. Okay, this one didn't end as good in that way. Okay, it's more of <laughs> right. But anyway, so the, the hunt it was it was pretty boring hunt. We we each would just sit in a in a tree stand, two different areas, a tree stand overlooking a natural mineral lick, dark till dark, and so you'd trudge on in there through the swamp while it's dark early in the morning. Climb up in your tree. Then you get down when it's dark, trudge back through the swamp, and then the outfitter picks you up. And and so that was it for like six days of doing that. Well, about the, the I know it was the first day. The first day I'm in the tree, the outfitter had told me, he goes, oh, he goes, you, you also get like a complimentary, like free wolf tag, okay? Unlike Colorado, they want to get rid of the wolves, okay? I saw Colorado yeah. just introduced five or whatever the other day. Oh, my gosh. You see that, you see that video so, that's going around? I mean, that happened like two days ago. That that black wolf with the yellow eyes, he looks like he's already got a moose to kill. Like, it's just, <laughs> he's just like, all right, f- f- buffet, let's go. It's terrible. I, but, right. Oh, it, that was that's the worst point. thing in ever happened. So, there you get two free wolf tags. So the outfitter told me that, like, hey, here's your wolf tag. He goes, but you know, we never see any wolves. But anyway, so I'm I'm he goes, Oh, but he goes, I had a trail camera out there, and every morning these horses would come in. Well, there's wild horses. I didn't know that in Alberta. This is in Alberta. There's wild horses, and and they're and I and he said they'll come in to the mineral lick. And I said, well, can you shoot them? He goes, well, you, you are allowed to shoot them, but they're just, a, you know, because they're, they're not regulated, but they're a pain. How would we ever, what would we do with it? So don't shoot it. And, he, and I said, do I just shoo them away? He said, no, they're super wary. And if you make any kind of noise and they see you, they're going to start making all kinds of, you know, nay noises and stuff like that yeah. to scare everything away. I'm like, okay. Well, then he said, it's usually about 830. Well, it's like 830. And I hear this noise. And I'm like, it's a moose. It's a moose. I look up. Nope, it's horses. And there's three like regular size ones and then one little one, one foal. And so they come up and then they stop right at the edge of the mineral lake, about 50 yards away. It's a big mineral lake. They stop. And they're staring like right at me. I'm like, oh, no, I'm way up in a tree. But I'm like, I'm busted. So I'm just like frozen, hoping that they just calm down. And then as I'm looking at them, I realize, oh, they're not like exactly looking at me. They kind of look to be looking to my right a little bit. So then I slowly, just super slowly turn my head to the right. And I look down to my right and there's three wolves right below my tree. They're like, they're like laying down, peeking over this little hill and they're ready to ambush these horses. They patterned them as well. And so right as I saw them there, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Then boom, it was on the three wolves chase. I mean, straight at the four horses and they're going for the little foal. Well, all four horses go running farther out into this field then there's this alpha, this big old lone wolf on the other Whoa. side of the field. They, they, they catch him in the middle. It was like a total setup ambush. I mean, my hair now is just standing up on my arms because I, it was just <laughs> nature at its finest. And so this big alpha comes up and now there's like 
four wolves and four horses and they're literally chasing around my tree and there's like all these saplings in my big tree and i have my bow <laughs> at full draw and i'm like running i'm just like i can't get a shot because i mean they're literally running it was like the horses the big ones are kicking like like beauty and the beast i don't know if you ever watch it like the cartoon where they're kicking at yeah. the wolves and I mean, it's like straight out of a movie and they're kicking. I mean, trees, little trees are getting knocked down. And then one wolf peels off right in front of me, 35 yards trotting, but not like running. I draw, boom, paste him. I mean, it goes zips right through and he goes, boom, he makes this hoof sound and it goes right there. I can see my arrow on the other side stuck in the, in the mud. He goes running off to about maybe 50 yards, like where those horses originally were. And I already yeah. ranged that area. So I get another arrow and I'm about to draw, but he's just standing there. I thought, you know what? Don't spook him. Just let him, let him bleed out. And then another wolf comes up and is like, like checking him out. Like, Hey dude, you okay? You know, they're like, yeah. they're kind of smell, just right around each other or something. Yeah. I think he heard him like, Oh, oof, you know? And so he comes running over, but they're, he's trying to protect him. Like, so I thought, okay, just let him die. Don't scare him by shooting. Now, honestly, that was one of the points where I've learned, like, if you get another shot, take another shot. Like, <laughs> if I had it again, <laughs> I'd take another shot, okay? So then the, the, the wolf that was okay, he ran off. The one that's wounded, I mean, he's got some serious blood. And he's walking through this field, and then he stopped. He just stopped. And I'm like, yeah, go down, go down. And then on the far side in the tree line, about 200 yards away, I hear this. Like, I mean, the deepest bellow of that alpha wolf. Like, it was haunting. It goes to yeah. this whole valley. And he starts, he starts howling like that. And then when he would do that, the wolf that I shot would get up and, like, walk farther. I'm like, no, no. And then, <laughs> then he'd lay back down and be like, Ooh, he's like, come on, man. Like, you can he's do like it. calling to him. You can do it. And so I'm wanting to get down and go shoot him again. But then I'm like, I don't think so with that. I mean, I'm telling you, that sound, it wasn't like a coyote. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, it was like, oh, it was like, I'm going to eat you. And so that goes on. No exact. Can I turn on my camera? Like my camera, I had a strap. It wouldn't fit around the tree. So once that happened, I picked it up. I still have the film of the the bloody wolf walking and the and the thing howling. The other wolf howling. It howled oh, for an hour and fifty minutes, almost two hours. And I'm watching this thing lie down and get up two hours. And then at one point, like it it went down. I didn't see it get back up. And then the, the the big wolf stopped howling. I'm like, okay, let me get down. I get down. I'm going to go out and find the outfit. Or I go out to the road. He had this you know, thing like put a stick in the road. I'll know you're there. And so I, I flagged him down. I said, he goes, just get a moose. I said, no, man, but I shot a wolf. He's like, oh, my gosh, nobody shoots a wolf. Nobody gets a wolf in these parts, especially during, during bow season. And I told him what happened with the wolves. He goes, whoa. He goes, listen, I, I've been an outfitter for all these years. He goes, no one has ever heard of the, the wolves attacking these feral horses. He said, what, what you experience, no one's ever experienced that. He goes, I always wondered why they did it, why they didn't do it. Now I know they do do it. It's because, it, you know, there was a foal in their midst. And so, uh, so he comes back, gets his rifle, and we go walking out following this swath of blood. He sees the blood in the, in the, in the grass. He's like, 
oh man, we're going to get this for sure. And then we find several places that it had laid down, got back up, and then we get to one last place and there's nothing else. And I mean, we looked forever. Like, and then I went back and sat in that tree. It's the only place I could hunt for another like three days after that. And I was just looking for, for birds or something. We never got it. I, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of a high lung shot or high midsection shot. Maybe I just hit, you know, an area that wasn't lethal or maybe they dragged him off. I, I really yeah. don't know what happened, but the, the, the experience of seeing, I mean, first of all, seeing wild horses is pretty cool, but then yeah. seeing a true ambush, like it's like Jurassic Park type ambush, you know, with those little dinosaurs where they like, I mean, three and then the one, I didn't know they could communicate like that. And then to see this thing wounded, its friend comes up to check him out. And then the alpha is just like calling to him for almost two hours. And he made it like, I mean, it was, I, I look regret that I don't have a wolf mountain in my, my trophy room. <laughs> I, I really, I think about it all the time. If I would have just put the arrow a little bit, you know, lower, and, you know, I think about it. But as experiences go, which again, that's what hunting is. Like, oh, man, that was an experience of experiences. I, I love that whole adventure. God, that's beautiful. I, I'm jealous, but I'm also terrified. Like, I don't know if I could have reacted the same way, got my bow back. I would have been climbing higher up the tree, probably, John. <laughs> like, be like, nope, get away from me. Like, I would have been, the, the, I don't know if I would have come down ever from those trees or those wolves around. Do you think, do you think that they got, did they get one of the, the horses? Or when you shot the wolf, did no, it kind of, they, they were like, what happened? And they backed out. Yeah, they, so like they never did well. get the horse. But matter of fact, the, the next day, what's funny, the very next day in the tree, I never saw the horses again, but I did hear something behind me. I turned around and the wolves were back there. They were coming back to try to get the horses at the same time, but the horses were like, we're on to you now. The horses didn't come in. But it's wow. it was really interesting. You know how we, we pattern an animal. We're like, okay, yeah. this deer's going to come. But to see an animal pattern an animal and set up an ambush that that was just really crazy cool but yeah to they didn't maybe they got that one they got that that fall later but they didn't get in that time yeah man that makes me like more concerned for colorado <laughs> knowing like right that good at hunting like i know they're great hunters probably the best there is out there um, but like just the fact that like they're pattering things and like they're in the right place at the right time of day like all right. Well, that's again, joke. not what, not what we're here to talk about. It is a joke. Ballot box biology is a joke in general, but yeah, that's an yeah. amazing story. That's I've heard a lot of wolf stories and I think that just trumped all the rest of them. Although one, one person, uh, Brittany Kitchen in one of my earlier episodes told the story where she saw a wolf coming. It was like tall grass. And you know, in Jurassic park, mm. we talk a lot about movies. It always feels like mm. a movie with wolves. Um, but it was coming through the grass and you couldn't see the wolf, but you could see the grass parting and it's just like snaking, <laughs> snaking through the grass. And uh, it's like, Oh, no thanks no you, you guys are braver than me um i'm building up the <laughs> courage cool. to, to maybe go hunt idaho where there will be some wolves uh in april we'll see oh we'll that's see. nice yeah all right john that was an amazing okay so i, I so don't I think you'll follow the first one but you just keep keep them coming <laughs> you know <laughs> it's 60 years of hunting you know you get some stuff okay i got this this other cool hunt that i went on okay i was down in uh in south texas I'm going on a javelina hunt. I've never hunted javelina. And I'm at this place. It's low fence. You know, it's just, it's private land. 
but I paid the guy to to let me hunt there. And and it, so there's hogs and javelina, but I really want a javelina. I love hunting hogs, but I've taken a lot of hogs. Never got a javelina. Yeah. And so I'm not seeing any javelina. And I'm like walking all these roads and stuff. And then in the afternoon, I walk in and I smell this like super pungent odor. And they're they're known to be like super stinky, stinky right? Okay, yeah. you knew that. Yeah, you're I, I know they're stinky and they're ornery. They're they're mean little buggers. That's all I yeah. really know. Other than yeah. they look like pigs and they are not pigs, but that's all I know. Yeah, they're peccary. And they, they say like those are not uh tusks, they're teeth. They're like the longest huh. teeth of any omnivore in North America or something like that. I didn't know that. Huh. It's like crazy. But you could see that on the wall too behind me, like I over do, my yeah. left shoulder. Yeah, that's that, that's that, the that same line, one. That, that neckline is what yeah, that neckline. Positive and those yep. teeth. Okay, so that's this story. So then I'm like walking really slow. I love still hunting. My dad taught me like whatever you think is slow, it's slower. You know, like I'll take a step and I'll count to like 10, take another step. And, you know, I mean, I really like to go slow. And, but then, then one of them, okay, this, this javelina just comes across the road, boom, darts across the road. Then this other one comes the road and stops. And I had to do it really quick. I draw, I shoot right as I shoot, it's about 25 yards. It, 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 it starts moving. So I hit it. I couldn't tell where I hit it. But I later heard, found out I hit it like in the back hip. I had a big mechanical. And so I hit it and it, it ran off. I waited a long time. Then I go up there. I see a little bit of blood. I'm like, okay, good. I know I, I got it. I don't know what kind of blood, but it's like there's blood. But then the thing with these javelina, and this is this is like summer or like early, like late spring in in South Texas, this brush is like it's like brush i've never seen before i mean it is like it's like you you know i mean it's yeah. so thick and like stickers and not like i always think like i've seen brush not like that okay this is like this is like super brush and so yeah. but if you, everything you is count, trying to cut you every single it's like plant that. is trying to cut you and it's absolutely yeah ridiculous. it yeah and and so you know there's a road through it i just been on the dirt road i've been on this dirt road well, as I'm looking at the blood, I, I get down on all fours and I see there's like a little tunnel in the brush. And that's what these javelina just run through. They, they, you know, they wear like a hole in the brush. I mean, it really looks like a cave in the brush. So I see the blood go in there like that. And I'm like, man, I want a javelina. <laughs> I haven't seen any. And I, I finally got one. So I like get on my stomach. And I'm like going down the javelina <laughs> hole. I'm like, I'm like going through and following the brush. And I go through for this one area about 45 minutes. And it comes a big loop. It comes right back to the same road I was just on. It had crossed that, my, my same road. And I didn't even know it. And so I'm following it across the road. And then, man, it goes on like about an hour and a half. And it's getting really sparse. And I almost gave up. I'm like, that's it. Doggone it. No more blood. And then I'd see one little drop. I'm like, oh, there's another drop. So I find that the, the blood now is starting to pick up. And I'm like, yes, hour and a half of belly crawling. And this time where I am, it's the thickest of the thick. So my bow, I'm, I'm on my belly. And I'm pushing my bow in front of me and then like shimmying. <laughs> so I push it and shimmy, push. I can't even get on my knees. Couldn't I'm literally draw it if you shimmying. wanted to, right? No, I, I'm not even holding my bow. It's like <laughs> a, it's on the ground. I'm just, I mean, I got a little about 10 inch hole that I'm going through. 
And then right then I hear the fiercest, like, like that. And I, I remember the guide had told me that the, the guy that owns the land, he said, Hey, listen, if you wound a hog, call me. I got dogs. They'll come track a hog. But if you wound a javelina, don't call me because I won't send my dogs in there because they'll tear the dogs up. And I'm like, I'm thinking of that. <laughs> As you're in a taco made of thorn bushes, you're just stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right crunchy on the outside chewy in the middle and so so then this thing and it's like comes at me face to face you can see the mount behind me i mean it that's exactly Good what it God. was and it's my bow is on the ground and it's in front of me so it's about the distance from the bow to me so you know whatever about three feet and I just screamed. I went, hey, like really loud, as loud as I could. And it just it just paused. It didn't run away. It paused and it kind of like backed up. And then I looked around and I could see a little bit of light, like about six feet away where I thought I might be able to stand there. So I badly crawled to this place where the brush is a little thinner and I like stood up through the brush like and I'm like I mean I broke through the brush and this thing is right at my feet it's about like like three or four feet away it's not running away it's like and I and I grabbed my bow I drew back I shot and in the arrow just even though it's like three feet away it just got deflected it just went i don't yeah. even know where so then i draw again the second shot and i mean this thing is like oh like, like and i shot <laughs> it and that one just drilled it pinned it to the ground and i mean it just died right there and i was like yes yes i mean it was like it was incredible <laughs> i mean it was just the experience and the the near death or so to speak i don't know what it died but it scared the crap out of me experience and then i'm like how am i going to get this thing out of here i figured out you know it took a long time to get out back to the road but and that javelina meant something. And so I have it mounted in that same snarl on its face that I saw at, you know, three feet away from me, you know, when I'm down at its level. So it was a, a well-earned mount. Okay, then there's this this other funny part about it. So <laughs> right. the, the outfitter sends it to a taxidermist down in Rockport. Uh, down It's kind of on the coast. And his taxidermist is in Rockport, the main one. And so I, I go, okay, you know, when it will be ready, I don't know, you know, whatever, eight months. So then I'm back in Iowa. I'm watching the news and there's this big hurricane. And it's hitting right at Rockport. And I'm like, oh no, I go get my receipt <laughs> and I'm looking at what's the name of my taxidermist. So I see the name of the company. I'm watching CNN. Dude's in a boat, the cameraman, going down Main Street. And he goes, here we are, the first footage, you know, in the aftermath. And, and they're going down Main Street. And I kid you not, they pass by, you know, here's a restaurant. Here's this. There's the tax, my taxidermy thing. The roof is caved in and it's like full of water. And I'm looking at my receipt going, that's my taxidermist. That's where my mount is. And I'm like, oh, no, like I'm starting to really sweat. So I call him like. Hey man, you're like it's just I'm leaving you messages. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, right. I'm like, I'm like, where is the guy? I'm like, I mean, of course I was compassionate for all the people who lost their homes. I mean, what's my little gripe about losing my mouth? But 
you know, yeah. that was my gripe. I'm like, man, if I lost that thing. And then I finally got a hold of the guy. He had had plenty of time to evacuate and he got my mount out. And so I got it, you know, lived happily ever after. Sorry for all the people <sighs> in Rockport. They went through hell there. But but anyway, it was a, it was a well hard earned trophy in many ways. John, I don't know if you are. It's one of two things. You're either a lot braver than me or a lot dumber than me. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you could pick whichever one makes you feel better about the situation. But I, I don't know if I would ever crawl into a, a, a spike hole after a javelina. Like no matter what, I'd, 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 I'd try another day is what I'd probably do. So good on you, man. That's, that's a funny, funny story. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I like that one. I, th I I personally think you're a lot braver than me, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. I I've seen the brush down there. Um, I've hunted in South Texas, um, like near Pearsall. Oh I'm yeah. From Pearsall. Yeah. Not far from Pearsall actually. Yeah. So I know that brush and, oh, uh, no thanks. Cool. No thanks. Yeah. It's the only. I think so. I I I've, I wear Sitka gear, and the only reason I wore it wear it is because like I've fallen off of a log, skewered my leg, but the pants didn't rip. I was bleeding underneath the pants, but they didn't rip. I took those same pants into Pearsall, Texas, and that's the only place they've gotten rips from. Uh, just the brush, oh, just like literally, just vine. Every vine has spikes on it. The only rips I have on any of my gear is from South Texas in that t that country. So I know what you're talking about. I know how vicious it is. And uh, good on you, man. And congratulations. He's a, it's a cool mount. I can see it over your shoulder Thanks. there. It's, I do not want that thing three feet away from me, even right? mounted. <laughs> yeah, as small as they are. It's like a little wolverine, man. It's like a little little wolf man kind of thing coming at right? you. It's so small but question. mighty. But I know they're, they're, they stink, and I, I assume that stink comes from their back half. I think probably from a gland, not yeah. their rear end. Does the mount stink? Stink or did it stink when you got no. back? No, uh, it stunk at the time. And and the guy showed me. Oh, we cleaned it and everything, and and caped it. And you could see that gland. I mean, it is a nasty looking gland. He's like, don't touch that because it's oil based, and yeah. like you won't get it off. You know, they're called skunk pigs. A lot of people call them skunk pigs. And and so he, he said he didn't know anybody that eats them. He's like, there's some you know locals that'll make tamales with them or something. I'm like, mm, not interested, you know? And so, uh, yeah, but it, no, but the, you know, what I got doesn't, you know, stink at all. Thankfully. Okay. Man, but they are, they are cool animals and they do look very different than pigs. When you like, I can see your hog on one side of you and the javelin on the other side and like putting them that close to each other. They're, they're very different animals, but they're right. Yeah. Different. They're really different. But that was a cool one. Okay. Yeah. I got, I got another one. You got, you got time for another one or, or is this a wrap? No, John, I tell this to everybody. I know I only schedule this for an hour, but like I will listen to stories as long as you're willing to tell them. So <laughs> keep me up if you need to. I'm here. I'm here to hear your stories. That's why I do this. Okay. Thank you. You're fun. I, I like telling stories. <laughs> okay. So th this is another story that, that was, was really kind of just a different experience. I'd gone out elk hunting in Colorado, didn't get anything and came back. And um, this was not too long ago. And, and, and then back at home, I had a million messages on my phone. I hadn't checked it for like a week. And so I'm looking at the messages and I'm just like, delete, 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 delete. And then there's this one that it just says unknown. And I mean, bro, 99 out of a hundred, if there's no caller ID, it's getting deleted. But yeah. for some reason I opened that one and I, and I thought, well, let me see what it is. I listened. 
it's parks and in, in wildlife. Okay, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and they're they're they go. We're calling you because you applied for a mountain goat tag, and you were an alternate, and somebody just canceled theirs and gave it back, and you're first on the list. If you can contact us by Friday at at five p.m then you can have the tag. And I'm like, wow. oh, and it's, I'm looking at this, it's Saturday. And I'm like, oh no. I'm like, <laughs> and I mean, the heart, this is like, you do not get one of these tags. My neighbor worked for like the Bighorn Sheep Society. And he told me, okay, I'm going to tell the viewers now, I'm not in Colorado anymore. But I, I he told me this trick. He goes, listen, if if you want I'll just blur the this best whole part chance, out I'm moving back to Colorado and I'm going to keep this to okay, myself. Okay, <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you this. Okay, okay, cut this out. <laughs> go ahead. But, go uh, ahead. but I will tell you. But he he goes the best chance of getting a mountain goat tag is he goes don't apply for an archery one. There's so few. Don't apply for a billy. So many people apply for that. He goes apply for the last season, the late season nanny rifle tag. And I said, well, I, I don't want a nanny. He goes, John. People don't even know the difference between a nanny and a billy. He said, it's actually harder than you think. You even, to get a license, I don't know if you knew this, you, you got to like take a test, a proficiency test in identifying the gender of of the goat. And because it's not easy at all. Like you got to, the horns sometimes don't tell the whole picture. You got to see how they squat, how they pee. Do they pee this way? Do they pee that way? Like it's so hard. So he goes, <laughs> Most people will never know the difference. The mounts look cool either way. And there's a better chance of getting a nanny tag. And then late season, most people don't want late season because there can be a freak uh, or not a freak. It's like October. There can be a, a snowstorm. He goes, but the tag is good for a week in Colorado. Rarely does bad weather last a week. So if a snowstorm comes in in a couple of days, you'll be able to go back. And he, he goes, plus... At that time of year, the coats are growing an inch a week because, you know, wow. they got to bulk up for the summer. And I'm like, whoa, you know, an inch a week or I think it was that maybe it was an inch a month, but they're growing like crazy. The best coats are late in the season. So I go, OK, well, let me apply for that. And that's what I got. So I get <laughs> this. this, And then, you know what? I told one of my friends, the guy, Brian, I told Brian, the guy that saved me on Cliff. I told him to do that two years later. He got the exact same tag, the exact same thing <laughs> I did. Isn't that cool? Did you, okay, really? so I know it takes a couple points. How many points did you have? I know, just curious. Um, not many. Before I, you even I have a chance. Say, I probably had, well, yeah, but I think it's different now than it was then. If it, Whatever okay. is the minimum you need, that's what I had. Okay, probably three then. And probably three. and But it was that, you know, late season nanny with a rifle, but I didn't want to use my rifle. So then I go, okay, I'm going to go scout. And I don't know if you know the area, Grays and Tories, like it's kind of that base. I think it's 35. It's a, they're different numbers than for elk season, but yeah. it's up by Georgetown. It's up above Georgetown. So the season comes up. I didn't even, when I, oh, so I didn't know if I could get the tag back to that. I'm like, man, I want to get the tag, but it's like a Saturday and I'm supposed to tell him by Friday. So I call my buddy, Aaron Snyder, man, do you know anybody at the parks and wildlife? I called the guy at the, <laughs> the Bighorn Society guy, my neighbor. He's like, oh, man, I know somebody that works there. I'm going to call her. And, and I'm leaving like all these messages, you know, 
man, I'm like, I just got it. You know, I'm hoping like they come in Monday and they haven't given it to someone else. Well, yeah. sure enough. I, I, I was waiting to hear that you're there Monday, 7 a.m. Locked oh, yeah, to the my, front my door. Monday, like, I'm not, no one's getting in here until you guys understand know, what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, nobody's getting in. I called them like first thing Monday. I'm calling, it's like, you know, whatever time it was, 8.55, 8.56. I'm like, oh, finally somebody answered 9 a.m. And I said, oh, please. And they're like, we haven't given it away. It's yours. I'm like, yes. You know, and I didn't even know when the date was. And it's like two weeks from that. So I don't have time to scout. I just wiped out my schedule, you know, took leave from work. I'm like, I got to go do it, even though I just gone on the elk hunt. Like this was like chance of a lifetime. So I did, I did some scouting. And then me and Brian, that same buddy, Brian, he's going to go up and, and like be my, my Sherpa. And so our wives, we go up together, get a little Airbnb in Georgetown and our wives like go do the, the wife thing, you know, they're having fun. And Brian and I set off at, at dark and go to the top of this mountain. We drive up there, Grays and Tories. And, and then, and then we we're like going up one side, the side that I'd scouted and we saw some, but we just, they were so far away. And I mean, we are going like up this, it, it's like, this is so treacherous. It's like all this scree field, you know, but but big rocks, like six inch diameter. It, you know, those things start to roll, like you're in trouble. Yeah. And we, yeah. we had rope and we got up in some areas where like, he would take the rope, I would grab the rope and, you know, it would help us jump to the next thing. And and then we got to a point that we were cliffed out. Like we're literally we, we can't go up. We're afraid we couldn't even get down. And so we had to just come all the way back down. We're like, come all the way back to the car. We're like, shoot. Well, then there was this guy that we'd seen there who was going, he was going running. He like, just, this is weird. He flew in from Boston and and he's like, we saw him like at dark when we got there, it's like five in the morning and he's just arriving. He's like, I'm going to go running. I just got here from Boston. We're like, that's crazy. There's like still snow on the ground and stuff. Well, he comes back to the, he, he comes back to the car right at the same time we're back there in the parking lot. And he goes, Hey man, I saw a bunch of goats up that hill. I'm like, really? Where? <laughs> and so he pointed up this other hill in the opposite direction. We get our binos and we can see this group of them. But I mean, it is, it's like maybe two and a half miles way up it's like the the peak elevation there is 13,200 feet and they're about 13,100 feet and so we're like okay you know we're game we've been working for this you know all year training because we just got back from the elk hunt so we're feeling pretty good and so we we take off took about two and a half hours to get up close and I had one of those those decoys that um what's the company i'm just drawing heads up i think it's heads up it attaches to your bow and so it's like it looks like a mountain goat and and you like stand behind it and so you know like it's it's like just a two-dimensional predator does that sound right that's it thank you ultimate predator i I have one of those for antelope i've played around with it a little bit they're super cool uh and they're they're out of out of colorado just near the springs Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah, I got to know the guy that started it, this guy Lance. Yeah, so yeah, they're out of uh, Colorado, Colorado Springs. And so I have that and, and it's helping like we're getting, but then they would still kind of push off every, you know, when we get too close. And so that wasn't working. We get up to the top, 13,200 feet. And I'm thinking, man, it's beautiful, super windy. But I <laughs> thought, man, we're, we're not going to be able to get anything. So we're like, okay, well, let's go back down. We'll go around to another area. And on the way down, there's some undulations 
and no kidding, I just prayed. I'm like, okay, God, you know, I don't know if you really honor these kind of prayers. You know, I know it's trivial, but <laughs> man, I just prayed. I'll be able to see a, a nice nanny on our way down. We come up and there's this 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 ridge, this ravine in the in the mountain on the way down. And here comes this nanny. And I just go, bring it down. And we get down and this nanny, there's a whole, a whole herd, but this nanny had broken off. A nice nanny, like Pope and Young, eight and a half inch horns. And and she comes up really mature and she's like staring like straight at us. And we're just like hunched down, trying to look like boulders. And then for a long <laughs> time, we're pinned down. There's nothing we can do. I didn't want a frontal shot. And she's looking right at us. And then she just poses, turns sideways and like looks at us and then looks away sideways, broadside, 35 yards. And my buddy Brian is filming. And man, I drew back and just zapped it. Boom. Just, I mean, the arrow zipped right through. It was like, I don't even know if she knew she got hit. I mean, she goes, she goes running off a little bit. She stopped at 50 yards and I thought, like, I learned from that, that wolf, I put another one in. And like my biggest fear with mountain goats is that they're going to, they're going to jump off and die off a ridge. Right. And go down yeah. and, and shatter and you never get it. Fall a thousand, it's a mi- steep thousand feet. Cliff. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a really steep cliff that she's running through. So she stopped. Boom. I shot her again. And you just see this puff of hair, white hair go off. Oh my God. Her. And then she comes running down the other way, stops again. I, I literally, I put a third one in. I'm like, Brian, don't show that in the film, but I put a third one <laughs> and then she goes down, piles up and she's in, she's just, I mean, Brian and I are cheering. He's like, he's so encouraging. I mean, we just, we had this moment together on the mountain. It's just this picturesque blue sky, snow, 13,000 feet, Colorado, get down there to to the the goat and we're going to take pictures and i mean she's beautiful just that the hair that time of year everything's perfect and then i said hey brian i'm gonna i'm gonna just pull her just it's a little bit flatter right below where she is i'm just gonna pull her to that little bit of flatter spot be better for pictures he goes no this is fine i go i think it'll be easier so i grab her by the horn and i start walking on it's like grass i start walking on the grass and she starts sliding and I'm like, I'm like running next to her and she's picking up steam sliding. And then Brian just is laughing. Cause I'm like going down the hill, holding it. And then I trip cause I'm, I'm just can't keep up. I'm rolling and, <laughs> while I'm holding her and like <laughs> rolling together. And then I just, I'm, we're coming to the edge of a cliff and I just let go, dude, she goes over that cliff and launches like, like those distance jumpers in the Olympics, you know, where they just put their ski poles back and she just she launches <laughs> over the edge of the cliff. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh no. And I go running to the edge of the cliff. I look down, I, I can't even see her. I'm like, I'm looking with my binoculars. I'm like, where's my, where, where my goat? Brian is just laughing. I'm like, dude, stop laughing. And he goes, man, it just was so funny. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So then. Did he catch that on video? Up. Please say he did. No, no, he didn't get that. Oh. He didn't, yeah, that would have been, right? I thought that would have been the best part of the video. Got everything else on video. It's on my YouTube channel. But, but that part he didn't get. That would have been hilarious. So we go around and it's way around. We go all the way around and we get to the bottom of it. And there's like these bushes about 
50 yards from the base and we find her like in the bushes, like all like completely mangled. Her hair is just like brown. Only one of the horns was was a a couple inches was broken off. So that was okay. And but I mean, she was a mess. I'm like, we like pull her out and, you know, into an area. And this thing looks like a piece of old crap. I mean, it was this beautiful (laughs) animal. I just wanted a little bit of a flatter place for pictures. And I end up like throwing her off the cliff. And then, and then, so I, you know, we took the pictures and we, you know, we, we skinned her and everything. And actually the meat is some of the best meat I've ever had. I mean, unbelievably tasty meat. And it's tenderized uh, now too for you. There you go. And then there you can see in the the video, she's right over the Cape Buffalo. You see her up there. Did but, you get her horn, uh, you know, horn fixed or? or cause I, it, I looks... did. I got I got okay. her horn fixed. But then when we moved here to Dallas, it, it broke off. So you can't even really tell. I, That's why she's I in the back corner. This is, she's in the back corner. It's funny. But but anyway, it was like, you know, so my I took the pictures and she's all brown and stuff. So then I had a buddy that um, was really good with, with uh, what do you call it? Like the 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 computer software that like fixes all the Uh, Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah. Photoshop. Sorry. Photoshop. So he Photoshop, you know, the rest of her hide. So we got decent pictures after all, (laughs) but man, what, what an experience. I mean, one day during rifle season, public land, 13,200 feet with my best hunting buddy. And she launches over the side. My gosh. Oh gosh. That's amazing. John, every one of these stories, I thought you were starting with your best one, but they all keep getting better. <laughs> they are they are um, pretty. I, I love uh, the memories. You know, it's one of the things I like about filming because I, I can just go back and watch them. And it's not a vanity thing. It's like you forget. And, you know, you, you think you remember, but then you watch like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I, I love just having the memories of, of all these hunts, you know, with my buddies right there together with yeah. me. Like that, that's really cool to see that. Yeah, man. And then that's the beauty of, uh, of hunting stories. It's, it's so much fun to read all these things. They're obviously a big part of your life and I bet you're having a hell of a good time. Like you said earlier, the, the hair in your arms is standing up telling some of your earlier stories and that's exactly what we want. And I hope that the listeners can feel that as well. Um, and that's my that's one of my favorite parts. I just love hearing people tell their favorite favorite stories. So, hmm. well, John, I've taken up more time than I asked for. Do you have more? Because I'm going to keep listening. Um, or okay, I'll do, I'll do one. Can... I'll do one more, and then I got to okay. go. Okay, perfect. Because this one's fresh. I just got back from Alaska. Not just, but it was this year. It was in June. I got back from Alaska, and this was a hunt that I mean. All my life, I've dreamed, like I've dreamed of, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. And, you know, on a pastor's salary, I, I couldn't do much. And this this doctor, he took me on a few adventures, which was really cool. But then through the channel that, that I have and the success of the channel, that's given me a platform and ability to go on some of these hunts. And everything I spend on them 
it's a tax write-off as well because the channel is a business. And so it's just, I just discovered being... that, right? About my podcast. I was like, wait a <laughs> minute, hold on. <laughs> so Everything. I have to actually go back and do some 2023 research to figure out what I spent on things. So, but uh, continue. <laughs> yeah, I keep a detailed record. It's, it's an amazing way to do it. So, um, so anyway, I like, oh, I've, 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 there's certain bucket list animals like, moose i got a moose that's another story for another day mountain goat got that elk got that cape buffalo got that that's another cool story for another day zebra i took a zebra 82 yard bow shot that was an incredible adventure but but grizzly bear brown bear the brown bear and grizzly bear are the same species most people don't know that but as grizzlies go inland they kind of get they get grayer and they uh, they they don't eat as much protein and fat as the ones that are along the coast. They get the salmon, and so yeah. they get a lot bigger and they get a lot browner. Their their coats get browner, so they call them brown bears. But they're the same species. So that's always been like top of the food chain, top of my bucket list. But I've always thought I'd never be able to do it. Well, then I started researching it, and I found that through like if you do like a tree stand hunt then it doesn't take two weeks. You can do it like in a week and it's about half the price or a third of the price. And so I like, I call a guy that I saw he'd done a video. He's And then he, I go, hey man, what was your outfitter? He tells me, I call him. He's like, I don't do that anymore. And he goes, maybe you want to call this guy. I call that guy. He's like, I don't do that anymore. Why don't you call this guy? So I call like a friend of a friend of a friend. Like I get to this <laughs> one guide and he's like, yeah, you know, I do that. He goes, I, I usually only do rifle hunters, but, but yeah, I'd, I'd be happy. You know, I got an opening. I'm like, Great. so I book it like a little over a year in advance. This guy was awesome. Okay. It was in Kenai, Alaska, down in the Southern part of Alaska. And I've like chased caribou up way inside the Arctic circle in the very North part of Alaska. Now I'm wow. in the extreme South, totally different terrain. And we go back there. Okay. And you're in like a tree stand forever. Like, I mean, like <laughs> we get in there at like five in the evening and we're sitting there and then it's like, it's light till about 1130 at night. And then the guy, I thought we were going to leave and go back. The guide goes, like, he's really quiet. He goes, okay, I got the sleeping bags here. You know, we're just going to go to sleep for a little while. And I'm like, what? Like, we're staying here. <laughs> and so we just <laughs> pop up our little chair and like unroll a seat and we sleep in the, in the, in the little blind. And then like the next it's morning. Like a tree, tree blind or a tree stand? Yeah, it's, it's like a box blind, kind of like a box okay. blind, like okay. just built up. The, the, but no, like no air conditioner or, you know, heater or anything like that, yeah. but, but, you know, just a box. And so we, you know, so we would, then the next morning you, you open up the, the, the windows and you're really quiet. Cause you know, you hit the side, it makes noise and stuff. And then you just keep watching. So this is in, they've just come out of hibernation and the, the big ones come down from the mountains and it's really amazing the timing. He he said, okay, right as they come out of hibernation, the rut kicks in. And so the males are looking to mate. And interesting, one thing is what the what the males will do is if they find a female, a sow with cubs, I've the males this, yeah. try to kill the cubs just to drive her back into heat so they can mate her. 
So females, they're the cubs of that, of that boar, right? So like their own kids, they will do it just to to get laid again. It's crazy. (laughs) Right. Nature's metal, man. I mean, that's just like, that is brutal. People talk about hunters being brutal, man. This thing murders its own kid just to have sex one time. Like you go, my (laughs) gosh. So that's happening. Then the guide says this, this is also the time that the, the moose dropped their calves. So there's moose all over this area. These calves have been whatever in inside of them, I don't know how many months. And finally, all the moose moms are like, all right, I'm going to have my baby. And they drop this baby right as the brown bears, the grizzly bears comes out of their den. They go, I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten anything. I'm hungry and I'm horny. And then they go, I smell a moose calf. And so they <laughs> they put a collar on one of the brown bears in this area. The fishing game did. Yeah. Not while we were there, but there was a study. And one brown bear ate 58 moose calves in Jeez. a three-week period. Right? That's why hunting is really important. Because imagine if, if we didn't control them, because they don't have any predator. So yeah. anyway... This, all these forces are converging. You know, they're coming out of the dens. They're super hungry. They're super horny. They're chasing the females. They're trying to kill the, the babies. The, the moose calves are trying to keep away from it. It's just like nature is colliding, you know, and you're watching <laughs> from this box blind. You're watching. And all then all unfold. of a sudden, some wolves jump out and some horses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the comes out of nowhere. John's spinning in circles with his bow and shooting. Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. So anyway, we sat in there. We sat. I, I added it up for like, it was like, it's like a six-day hunt for like it was four and a half days, 55 hours of sitting in the blind. And most of that wow. not seeing anything. We just weren't seeing anything. And then it all changed. It started to rain. The weather changed. It's getting into the, you know, the mating time. It's it's really starting to hit. Well, then, I mean, this one evening and the next morning, the action was just crazy. I mean, these these bears come in and, you know, I've, I've hunted black bear. You know, it's cool to see a bear. When you see this freaking brown bear come in <laughs> and see how big it is, it's like, oh, good Lord. Like, what's wrong with this picture? I mean, it is like a freaking monster. Yeah. And so I just, it, it's just, you know, one would come in and I'm like, I'm like, let's shoot it, let's shoot it. And the guy's like, it's not big enough. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, and this one comes in, it's like under 10 yards from us. It stands up and he's like, not big enough. I'm like, God. And then it goes away. I'm like, we should have shot that. I have it on film, you know, me going, I think we should have shot that. He's like, no, no, no. Well, then it this really cool thing started to happen. So we this this sow, this massive sow, I wanted to shoot the sow, but it had cubs, but the cubs were huge. The cubs were probably. No kidding, probably three hundred pound cubs. I mean, they were they were giant cubs. They're like in their third year. They're right about to to not be cubs anymore. They really they should be off on their own. They were like you know failure to launch. You know they're like a a twenty three year old living in the basement kind of cub. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so these cubs come in, and the mom is like off in the distance, and then the mom starts all of a sudden. The mom looks up, and she looks away, like to my left. I don't know what she's looking at. And then she makes this noise. I got it on video. This video is on my channel. And it's like, make this noise. Like, I never heard that noise. And immediately the cubs run to her. 
And then they all go running off. And I'm like, <laughs> I grab my bow. We're like, is she afraid of? Then we hear from the direction she was looking, that same sound. <laughs> like it was a weird, like clicking kind of snorting sound. And then we just see this lumbering thing. <laughs> like, and I mean, the bear that I wanted to shoot earlier. Okay, that was a big bear. This thing comes in, you're like, I'm glad I waited. I mean, it just <laughs> comes walking up, just, I mean, massive. Comes up there, 32 yards. Oh, one thing that was cool is it had these white claws. And in that area, like, all of them are, are black. But but it's like one in like a thousand has white claws. And yeah. so I, it put its white claws up, and I could see that. I'm like, okay. It was really low light. It's like five in the morning just we just woke up you know we just opened the things and this was all going down i drilled it bam it didn't go far piled up we waited forever wanted to make sure it was dead then we go yeah, down there <laughs> right we go down there he's got his rifle you know really great guy caleb martin it was and and the guy richard richard stewart was the outfitter he runs a great outfit there but we go down there the bottom of this ravine and there it is lying there and dude when you get up on a bear like this, like I always had these visions. Okay. Like if one attacked me, you know, I could pull out my blade, you know, I could, I, I could tangle. Pretty like, decent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I even downloaded while I'm waiting, sitting in the blind and on the plane, I downloaded two books about grizzly bear attacks, you know, cause I oh, wanted to hear God, the accounts. I know, I know it kind of freaked me out at one point i'm like okay i can't listen to this anymore <laughs> maybe when the trip's <laughs> done not on the way there come on John. yeah right that'd be better but i had these visions of okay if one attacked me then i see this thing like right there now this is this measured nine foot square which you know it that's that's a, a massive bear it's 800 pounds by the fall Gosh. like after it bulks up it would be about 1100 pounds if you can picture that the claws are about like six inches long. It's it's like Wolverine, <laughs> white claws. I mean, almost polished looking white claws. Teeth are about an inch and a half, two inches each. But the thing is so massive. So it's lying on its back and we want to just turn it over so we can take pictures, turn it over on its stomach, just just half a turn. Me and the, and the outfitter, Caleb Martin, we get these like sticks as levers they were like both pulling, pulling, pulling. It took about 20 minutes just to roll it over. And I Gosh. thought, man, my visions of fighting this thing, I can't even roll <laughs> it over with a buddy when it's dead, <laughs> let alone they can run 35 miles an hour. They can chase down an elk. These these claws, I mean, it, it's just a killing machine. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, my respect for just – the beast that this animal is just, I mean, went through the oh, roof man. being that close to such a monster. But you got to watch that video. That's a really cool video. I will. I will. And it's That's an impressive terrifying. animal. What, I got to ask, John, what broadhead did you use to shoot hmm. a, a grizzly bear? Man, I man, I wrestle with, you know, I know so much about broadheads. Like, I'm so angry. I know, but what did you Every use? night, like, you I'm like, with? I went with one uh, made by, there's this company, Dead X Bow Hunting. And they make this this broadhead called the blood blood flow, and I tested it earlier. Okay, and here's just a, a quick little backstory. This company it was just two brothers 
that they've, they've made archery stuff. They're both uh, machinists. They have their own machine shop. So just on the side, they would make like some different broadheads, dead expo hunting. They're based in Missouri, Western Missouri. And, and so I came across this new broadhead they made and I reached out to the guy. I said, Hey, I'd love to test it. Well, it tested really good. And then he said, that was, that was a different one. It's called the big game three. That thing is massive inch and a half diameter, three blade, I mean, it's a gigantic head and I, I took some animals with it, but then they said, but John, I've got a smaller one coming out. That's still massive, but it's coming out and I want you to test it first and we become friends. And so then he said, he sent me a text. This is last, this spring. He sent me a text. Hey, John, I'm going to send them to you next week. I got them back from our machine shop. They're ready to go. I'm going to send them to you next week. And then he didn't respond and or he didn't notify me. I didn't get him. I waited a few weeks. I reached out. He didn't answer. Reached out. He didn't answer. Then I get a text from somebody I, I don't know. And then he said, hey, John, I'm I'm John. The guy's name is John Smith. I'm John's son. My dad was on the way to mail the broadheads and was killed in a car accident. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I mean, devastating. He, he's a, just such a good guy, you know, man of faith and yeah, become friends, you know, just through archery. You know, you get close to people in the industry, like-minded. And here's his son telling me his dad's dead. And in the car that was all mangled are the broadheads that that he's going to send me. And uh, man, it just it broke my heart. I I'm tested sure. those broadheads. They tested incredibly well. So then I thought, okay, you know, in honor of John as he makes this incredible broadhead at the end of his life, I'm going to use that to go on my brown bear hunt. So that's the broadhead that I used. I'm glad I did. Yeah. man. Oh, one arrow, put, put a brown bear down. Yeah. You know, one, one arrow and a Cape Buffalo, man, it's just, it's amazing. The power of one arrow. Wow. Yeah. It's impressive. That's so crazy. That's so, that's a, that's a crazy story. And I'm amazed that his son like took the time to to you know send that package back out to you, especially after everything that he'd been through. That's crazy, right? I know, and and yeah, his son is now taking over the company with his uncle, and so they're continuing on. God that's, bless. Him. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Well, John, man, this you did not this did not disappoint. I I just had a, a feeling when I heard you on that other podcast. I was like, this guy will tell me some stories, and you. This this might be my favorite episode. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to sleep on it because I've I've heard so many great <laughs> stories. Um, but yeah, I know that uh, we're we're gonna have you back. That's for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah, I got a lot more. We can do. We can I, do a part I know B. you do. <laughs> I know you do. For now, let's tell the people where they can find you. Um, a little bit more about your Instagram, your testing, uh, your YouTube, whatever you want to share. Yeah, so you can find me on YouTube, Lusk Archery Adventures. I have, like I said earlier, over 400 videos, probably about 60 are my own bow hunts and about 300 are broadhead tests. So if you're ever wondering about what, if you're an, a, a bow hunter, you're wondering, hey, what's this broadhead all about? You go to YouTube, just type in Lusk, L-U-S-K, and the name of the broadhead. And if I've tested it, it'll come up and you can see my tests. And I'm, a, I'm an engineer by education as well as a pastor. I got a master's degree in theology, but undergraduate degree in civil engineering. And so from, from LSU, go Tigers. And so I, I really like using my engineering mind to do very 
scientific testing under controlled conditions to provide just really good data points to help people choose the broadhead that's best for them in their personal hunting setup for their needs, the animal they're pursuing. So I have a really good system, I think, and I'm always working on it to make it better, but it'll help you find the right broadhead. There are hundreds and hundreds to choose from. You can't trust the packaging. You can't trust the celebrity endorsement. You can't trust your buddy because whatever, whatever he used and harvested, that's the best broadhead. Whatever he used and didn't (laughs) harvest, that broadhead sucks, you know, but but this gives you a really good way to to do it. So check it out there on, on YouTube, Lusk Archery Adventures. I'm also on Instagram, same Lusk Archery Adventures on Facebook, same Lusk Archery Adventures. So follow me on one of those platforms and uh, I, I, I hope it's beneficial to you. If you're going to trust anybody, you got to trust a pastor. So I, there I, you I, go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All those media influencers, well, psh, you got nothing on you, John. So this was fun. This is a lot of fun. I will put links to all of that stuff in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for, for jumping on. Hopefully you get on the Joe Rogan podcast here shortly. Um, but John, this, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks. It was really good to be with you. And I, I appreciate all you're doing. I mean, given a platform to share hunting stories and to, to just inspire people to love the hunt, man, I love that. So God bless you and your continued work in this way. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people have got a lot of smiles from today's episode. So thank you. (laughs) Good, good. All right, guys, that's it. Another couple stories in the books. Again, I want to thank John, of course, for coming on the podcast. Couldn't have done it without him. Uh, Make sure you guys go and follow him on YouTube. It's Lusk Archery Adventures on Instagram, Lusk Archery Adventures. You know the drill. I'll put all the links you need in the show notes. Just go down there and give them a a quick click, especially if you're into archery. Um, It's the, the best way to evaluate broadheads. He does it every year. And he does a really thorough job of testing. So thank you, John, for coming on the podcast. I really, really enjoyed your stories, and I've shared them to people within my personal circle over and over again, which is always a good sign for an episode. Um, but that's it, guys. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you go ahead and uh, check us out on Carbon TV. Also, whatever you are listening to us on, make sure you give us a review, uh, whether it's four stars, one stars, five stars, whatever. Uh, it helps us be found. Beyond that, if you have some stories of your own, reach out and... That's it, guys. Happy New Year. Get out there and make some stories of your own.